This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, Episode 60, State of the Union Edition. In case you hear like the earth is rattling off its axis during this episode, yep, that's our new washing machine. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hertzberger. Today, if you've been listening to the show for a little while, uh, know that these episodes pop up every now and then. I'm calling this the State of the Union episodes. What I mean by that, for anybody that's new to the show, is today's interview is going to be a joint interview with me and my lovely wife, Carrie. We periodically do these episodes where we are talk about some of the Small Moves things that we've been working on ourselves for our own family and things that we're going to be trying in the future. And just to kind of get of a general update in this little small moves path that we're on ourselves, uh, then the last couple of weeks have been, we'll just say, active in our area of downsizing and trying to simplify things and just sort of continuing to move in that direction for the two of us and our two little ones. So we're going to be going over that and a lot of things that are going to be coming up on the horizon now that we've made some of the moves that we've made in the last couple of weeks. So with that, without further ado, we bring you this edition of the State of the Union episode. Here we go. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Ms. Carrie Paxton, welcome to the show. Thanks. The Ms. part was a joke. Anyway, today is the State of the Union episode as care you well know um we're going to be talking about some of the craziness that we've been going through lately and how those are turning out for better or for worse and just kind of give a little bit of insight of some of the stuff that we've been working on ourselves and how that can be applied in a slightly broader sense and how do you feel about that that sounds good to me okay so for people that have been following along with us in for the re- relatively recent past, um, we have been in the process of dramatically downsizing the scope of our possessions and moving into a 40-foot fifth-wheel RV, which we just officially did last Sunday, so a little over a week ago. We have actually been living full-time in a 40-foot RV. It's 400 square feet, uh, two bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms. If you're trying to picture what 40 feet looks like, that's what it looks like. Yeah. So we, we've obviously, the, doing this has obviously been a fairly involved process. And I want to sort of walk through that process a little bit with everybody just to sort of let you know over the span of what has really been about 15 months. The two of us went from where we were to considering doing this to working towards doing this to actually doing this a little over a week ago that none of none of it was really done with any giant broad strokes. It was just sort of a process that we got ourselves into that it ended us up where we are now and a lo- with a lot of luck sort of mixed into that. And I have to say the whole time we were thinking about doing it. And then doing it, and then now actually living here in our RV in a campground, 30 minutes north of where we used to be, we weren't really convinced at any point that it was actually happening. So true. Even though here we are, recording in our RV and our campgrounds, I'm still not convinced it's actually happening. Yeah, it, like it, it doesn't feel real yet. Yeah, you know? it just kind of feels like a great vacation. Yeah. So far. So far. It's a great vacation so far. And Well, uh, now it is. Now it is, yeah. Our 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 first roughly five to six days in the R V was let's just say let's just say educational. We learned a lot. Yeah, we did. From fin- from finally arriving 
in the late afternoon, the day that we were checking in and realizing, oh, crap, we can't connect the water or the water system isn't working in the house. And all the water that we're getting from the campground is draining right back out another valve that we can't figure out how to close. Let's rephrase. It was working fine. We just didn't know how to make it work. Yeah. So we go from that to day two. We have a sealed water system, but not a functional hot water heater. So we had water, but not hot water. Again, it was working. We just didn't know how to work it. Yeah, which it made, made, let's let's just say it made showers invigorating on day two. Day three, we end up not being able to cook because we run out of propane and the propane service that's near where we are, the owner of that... The owner of that business apparently died, so the family that was working there didn't actually fill up tanks like they're supposed to, so here we are not being able to... We finally have water, we finally have hot water, but now we can't cook or heat the RV. So that was interesting the first evening. We improvised. We cooked on our electric skillet outside on the picnic table. (laughs) It worked. It did work. And then day four, we finally get around to doing laundry. How we got through four days in an RV (laughs) of not doing laundry, I don't know. But that was probably the biggest adventure of all of them so far in that I'm not sure if you're familiar with this style of unit. But if you hear the term combo washer dryers, usually if you're based here in the U.S., When you hear combo washer dryer, it's one of those little apartment units that are sort of a stackable, cheapo washer dryer combination where there's a very small washer on the bottom and a very small dryer up top. What we mean when we're going to be saying combo washer dryer is more of sort of a European style device that's not super common in the U.S., but it is very common among RV people. And what it is, is it's a small unit, roughly 24 inches wide, so kind of a mini appliance. and It is a washer-dryer single combination unit where you – the easiest description that I've come across to describe it to people is you put dry, dirty clothes into it, and about two to three hours later, you pull out dry, clean clothes out of it. It both washes and dries in the same drum. That is the simplest description that I can give for you, and – You forgot to add the part that they come out wrinkled. Extremely, extremely, extremely wrinkled is something that we've been learning. But because apparently the way that we usually do laundry here in the U.S. is we have laundry day where we end up pounding through three, four, five giant loads of laundry and then throwing them in the dryer and then moving on. Not exactly how these units work. So So now we have to figure out how to unwrinkle our clothes because I will not iron my clothes. Yeah, the, my 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 wife is one of the hardest workers that I've ever come across in my life, but there's one or two things that are in her life that she would quite ra- rather bur- rather burn down the house rather than doing and ironing is one of them. God bless her. Um so something that we the issue that we ran into with our wonderful combo laundry unit besides the wrinkling problem that we've been experiencing is we plugged it in uh, we turned on the water, and it didn't start spraying water in every direction, so we count, counted that as a victory. But then we started doing laundry. We put in a load of laundry, closed it up, started the system working, and everything was fine until it decided to go into its spin cycle, which proceeded to take our 13,000-pound RV and have it start shaking on its stilts. We don't mean a little bit of shaking. We mean everything moving, shaking, as if the RV were jumping up and down in a cartoon. Yeah, it was the funniest thing that I've ever seen caused by a 24-inch washing machine. It reminds me It reminds me of when I was a kid, I saw a Jack Russell Terrier that was owned by a buddy of mine tied to the bumper of a Jeep Wrangler while the owner was up 
on the on the vehicle working in the engine and the jack the jack russell saw a squirrel kicked into four-wheel drive and started running and running and scraping their claws in place and ended up pulling this 4000 pound jeep down the driveway a few feet before the owner jumped down and um got the dog out of it kind of sort of similar to that we the, were we were worried that our rv was going to fall off the cliff uh, behind us yeah so here, here we are with a washing machine that's 24 inches wide that's jumping and shaking and running its way across the bathroom floor. The only thing in the moment that I could figure out how to do was, well, lay on top of it, which provided for a very interesting picture that I'm that my wife took while video, I was there. Video. I have a video of she it. She has a video that we will not be posting. I was just going to say, can you put it in the show notes? Anywhere. I think we should put it in the show notes. Anywhere. Anyway, so that that was our adventure for day four. And day five, we ended up running into a system where we discovered, hey, our unit actually has two gray water tanks. Um, we did not know that water was diverted to two different tanks and our sink in our kitchen was backing up and we couldn't figure out why because we had drained the tank already. Every other day, you know, every day we drain the other tank. And for some reason, it was continuing to back up. We're like, we, we tried a plunger. We tried a snake. We tried everything except for, you know, calling the guy who we bought it from and saying, hey, we're having this problem. What do you think gives? He's like, did you drain the other tank? Oh. What other tank? So ama- amazing how that solves the problem instantaneously. But that f- that story took us Sunday through Friday. Yep. We solved the, the plumbing backup. Yep. W- that wasn't a backup on Friday. And then Saturday and today have been beautiful. Delightful. Yeah. No problems. Yeah. Nothing but sitting back and relaxing and eating and watching our kids play with all the other kids and... It was great. It was. It's been an incredible weekend. Yeah, and we we finally sort of put the fin- the final pins in the decluttering of the stuff that we did bring with us for the most part. Because as as we were going through the process of downsizing, you know, we got rid of a lot of stuff. We donated a lot of stuff. We threw a lot of stuff away. We gave things away. You know, there there was a lot of. You know, stuff that we obviously purged, but then when we got down to sort of the final couple of days, we realized, oh, crap, we still have a lot. We still have not a lot, but it was our everyday stuff. Yeah, the normal everyday stuff that we once we finally went through it, we realized, oh, yeah, we don't need this. Oh, yeah, we don't need that amounting to, you know, a one ton pickup truck bed full of stuff that we needed to get rid of last minute or just chuck into the door of the RV and sorted out when we got here, which is what we ended up doing. Well, maybe we didn't sort all of it. There are two small boxes of your crap in the trunk of my car right now because we had visitors this morning and had to put it somewhere. And in honor of George Carlin, she likes to call her stuff stuff and my stuff crap. No, I call my stuff crap, too. <laughs> it really is all just crap. Yeah. So anyway, long long and short, what what that all sort of leads leads us really into is that you know the, this process of downsizing and this process of decluttering was indeed a process. I mean, it was something that we had to think out, that we had to plan out, that we had to stay consistent with. Otherwise, we would just sort of run out of time and run out of space, and we wouldn't really have been able to do what we ended up doing. So I I think I want to sort of go into a little bit about if you're thinking yourself, regardless of if you're doing doing something as insane as what we're doing, which is just moving into moving a family of four into a 400 square foot RV, like whether you're looking to do something that extreme or not, it's never necessarily a downside to try to to sort of thin out the stuff that's sitting around at your house because we're captives to our stuff. Yeah, we're absolutely captives to our possessions and it, the the one more thing that you buy to put up on the mantle on the bar is one more thing that needs to get dusted or cleaned or insured or what it, whatever it is. Like the the <laughs> the value of the item or the purchase price of the item dictates how much of those things you have to do to it over time. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still yet another thing that's sitting around the damn house that you have to worry about the next time you move or the next time, you know, 
you die and someone has to step in and take care of it themselves. Maybe we should clarify that usually that only happens once. Yes. To a person. Typically that only happens once. I guess it depends. As As I'm sitting here glaring into the distance, wondering if that's all, you know, true. Anyway, so the... The Carrie is going to go into a little bit about the once we sort of get through to the other end of where we've gotten, which is decluttered stuff gone out of the house and into the RV with a lot less stuff to manage. She's going to go into a little bit about sort of a mindset effect that that has had. And how that's sort of affected her interaction with me, the intera- her interactions with the kids, and her interaction just sort of with her space. Uh, because if we're going to go into sort of how you get here and why you want to get here, regardless of if you're looking to do the RV thing or just try to thin things out, you need to sort of know what you're in for or why you would want to do something like this. And it's had a much more dramatic mental impact in the short term on her than it has on me so far. So I'm going to let her get into that a little bit. Well, here we are in our RV at the end of week one, and I just feel completely different. Now, let me say, I think I'm a pretty happy person. Would you agree? Generally speaking, yes. Given the option of being happy or angry or grumpy or sad, I choose happy. Um... You know, not that I don't have those other feelings, but generally speaking, I choose happy because it feels better to feel happy. But here has been a whole different level of happy. She's weird. <laughs> I just like being happy. Um, Some people think it means that I'm cold and heartless, but I just like being happy. Anyway, um, <laughs> now that I'm trying to picture a heartless, happy person. Well, it's because I don't get sad very easily and I try I try not to get stressed out so people think it means that I don't have those feelings. Yeah. Um and that I'm just pretending to be happy because I have no feelings. But really that's not it at all. Anyway, that's a whole different podcast. Everyone meet my wife Carrie, the psychopath. I'm happy. <laughs> anyway, um being here has been just a complete lift of stress that I didn't even know I was feeling. Um, And it's kind of funny because nothing's really changed. Yeah. I mean, yes, we're living in a different place in a different house, but our schedule's still the same. In fact, our schedule's more difficult because you live now an hour away from your start of the workday. And I live half an hour to 45 minutes further from my closest client than I used to. Um, So in that respect, things should be harder. But being here, I just feel different. Better. Uh, Yeah, better. I don't know if it's that I don't have as much stuff around me or that I don't have to take the time to do all of the things that I had to do at home. But I'm still doing those things. I'm still cooking. I'm still doing laundry. I'm still washing dishes three or four or five times a day because we don't have a dishwasher. Um, But I I feel like I just have all this time. Like it kind of feels like a permanent vacation, even though we're working. Yeah. Yesterday we walked outside or I walked outside with the kids and there were kids outside and they were running around and they were playing and we walked up with them to the playground and I just sat there and I watched As my daughter played with all the other kids and I didn't feel the need to hurry home to get something done. I didn't reach for my phone because the internet sucks. So there's no point of using anything on the internet. And I just sat and watched and and it was wonderful. Yeah. Um and today Jason was cooking breakfast and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> the kids were content playing by themselves and the dishes were done and the laundry was done and there was nothing to do. Yeah, I was I was outside cooking bacon uh, just for for dinner I was going cooking a pound of bacon just to have some in reserve for later in the week and she Except we only have four pieces left. Well, you know. 
It's good bacon. Anyway, so, it was good bacon. So I was out there cooking that, and you know, in in the span of maybe five to ten minutes prior to that, while I was outside, you know, she would come and ask me a question, or she I was would, washing dishes. Yeah, she would, you know, you know, what should I do with this? You know, is there anything I can help you with? And then eventually, after maybe you know seven to ten minutes. I just saw her walk up to the screen door from the inside of the RV looking out at me and just saying, I have nothing to do. <laughs> so I sat on the sofa and looked out the window. And it was wonderful. It was glorious, I'm sure. <laughs> Normally at home, I would feel guilty for sitting down. I would either be playing with the kids or I would be doing something. Or if I did take a minute, I would constantly feel like there was something else I had to do. And really, in that moment this morning, there wasn't. I was done. Yeah. And when she, when we were still at our old house, the reason that she would feel that guilt was it was genuine. There was always, always something that needed to get done, that needed to get moved, that needed to get cleaned, or that needed to just be prepared for whatever it might be. There was just always, always stuff that needed to get done. It's like, it's the old adage when people are talking about, like, you hear this joke most most commonly in, like, political or nonprofit fundraising Stuff where, like, eventually you just stop. Like, it never ends. You never end up stopping raising money. You just eventually decide, like, you never finish doing it. You just decide to stop. It, it's like, it's like that managing a house, especially a house like ours, which was, we'll just say, a little deficient in the design code specifications. <laughs> That's um, an understatement. Which um, always made their some exciting new little adventure happening in the house that we had to, you know, fix or tighten or fill in or, you know, stop from burning down, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, there was, there was legitimately always, always something to do. And then here in the RV, I mean, maybe this is just us doing a soft brag about the fact that, you know, we've got a great RV is, we do have a great RV. We do have a great RV. Like we we were we were incredibly picky about what we ended up getting. Um and it's worked out well for us thus far aside from the fact that I initially I didn't know how to turn on the water. It's too big. <laughs> Jason would disagree, but I'm ready to downsize. <laughs> He's like we've we've now made it a week and she's ready to downsize again. I'll be buying her a tent in the next week or so and letting her stay outside. I'm fine with that. <laughs> and then you can have Ada all night long. Yeah, well, you kind of already I do. I kind of already do, yeah. By, by the way, everyone, Ada, Ada is our youngest daughter. You've probably heard me mention Zoe, the, the now toddler, now three-year-old toddler, as of a few weeks ago. Um, but Ada is the one that just turned one a few days ago. And uh, she is an absolute delight lovely child until about 9 30 at night and then she turns into the tasmanian devil for about six hours every night every night <sighs> anyway we love her so the that that really is the, what i wanted to make sure that you all heard was just the whether whether again whether you're do, doing something insane like we're doing or not it always makes it makes life just a little bit easier if you can just sort of thin out the things that you're responsible for thinking about on a relatively regular basis and that's really what this last year has been about for us but also i think that although this was a huge mind shift shift for me um, it didn't need to be. I didn't need the campground and the RV to flip that switch. I think I could have flipped it at home, but I just didn't know how. Um, but I'm glad we're here, mm -hmm. and I definitely want to keep it up. I just, I wish I had recognized kind of, hey, I don't need a a lifestyle change to make. Well, I don't need a physical thing to make this happen. I can just make it happen on my own. Uh, 
But hey, here we are. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where when you when you go through the process of downsizing in the future, you it helps you understand that you don't necessarily need as much stuff. When you're forced into a smaller space, it makes you realize that you only use two of the knives in the knife block of 18 knives that you've got in the sitting there in the corner. And you use the same one frying pan for 95% of the stuff that you do. So do you really need that other 5% or you can only fit this many clothes into the closet because the closet's only so big and you only have one of them. So you realize that, Oh yeah, that's true. What every, you know, decluttering every single decluttering article that you've ever read says is actually true, which is you wear the same five to 10 pieces of clothing and everything else is sitting in there from when you were thinner or fatter or when you hope to be thinner or hope to be fatter. If you're into that kind of thing or, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) Sorry. I just made a funny face (laughs) and realized you couldn't see it. Um, you know, I mean, the, the bottom line is now, I mean, we're a week into this little experiment of ours. We see no end in sight. We see no need or reason to ever go back to a larger house. We'll revisit this maybe when the little ones are teenagers, but whatever. Well, and, the, and maybe after we've been here a little longer than a week. Yeah. I mean, I don't think a week is, is really a fair assessment. No, absolutely But not. if I have to iron my clothes... We're leaving. <laughs> I am not ironing my clothes. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, we, we've been in the midst of this experiment for all of seven solid days right now. And we already have learned a th- million things that we could simply have applied to when we were living in a bigger house that is just stuff that we wouldn't have learned without going through this process. So, you know, if we end up going back to a bigger house, it's going to make life a hell of a lot easier while we're there now having gone through this experience. Can you imagine how quickly we could unpack? Jesus. Like, I know the, the we, you know, we would be fin- we'd move into whatever size home and we'd be finished unpacking furniture included in under three hours. Like it's, I can't, like, I can't imagine. It It took me longer than that to move out of my room in my parents' house and into my first place. And, you know, here we are, a family of four, and it would not take us more than a couple, three hours to fully unpack all of our belongings into a house if we decide to move back to a stick and bricks house. And and really, our RV has so much storage. We have a ton of stuff with us. Yeah. We in do. fact, we have a lot more than we need, and I'm kind of ready to get rid of it. Like I said, I'm ready to downsize already. Um, but I'm, we're standing here in our bedroom slash office podcast studio. Yep. And I'm looking at three pieces of art, your Bowie knife, a little card that Jason made me for Mother's Day last year with the kids, uh, a photo of us, our memorabilia tray from our wedding, and... You know, that's just on one wall. We have plenty of stuff. It's not like we got rid of everything. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to be wanting for anything. No, no. I mean, and that's and that's saying something for me. I was the one that was the habitual buyer of crap for the house just because, well, why not? We have space for it. Um, going back and sort of revisiting, <laughs> revisiting my purchasing behavior over the last couple of years come to the realization that the stuff that I've been buying is stuff that shocking, shocking, we're no longer actively using outside of, you know, the phones I bought because that's just the world we live in. And the water bottles. The water bottles have been helpful. Yeah. And your computer. That doesn't count. My last one got stolen. So I got, it was like, I got to buy this one because, you know, the insurance company liked me. You're still using your podcast equipment. I am. Here I are, what is it, five, yeah, nine months? We've been podcasting for nine months. And she's been putting up with me podcasting for nine months so far. It's not something I have to put up with most of the time. Most of the time. Except that week we were moving when and I, you kept having interviews. 
Yeah, for some reason, I was maybe tr- tr- doing the passive aggressive thing of, hey, I don't want to act. He's like, maybe it was, I was subconsciously saying, I don't want to do this by scheduling for some reason three interviews for my podcast. The Did week- you really feel that way? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> so let's just put it mildly that I 90% moved she, us. She did, she did all the work. No, I, re- I mean, you, you did a lot too. I drove the truck. You, Well, no, I did that a lot, too. Damn. <laughs> you did the washer and dryer. Absent- you did the registration Ab- and the insurance and all the paperwork and Ab- all the absentee, hus- absentee husband right here. No, we just did different things. <laughs> I just happened to be in charge of most of the physical labor of moving us. Because we're all into traditional gender roles here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you kept interviewing and some long ones, too. Yeah, I had a couple of really long ones with some really incredible guests that will be coming out in the next month. Stay tuned. All right. I think we're probably boring everybody. Just, I think we're a lot more excited about this than, than they y- are. you know, anybody that's listening. So we do apologize for that little rant. But the the bottom line is that I want, I want us to get into the tactics of getting into the process of decluttering. Because like I mentioned earlier on... Haven't you talked about that a million times already? Not necess- not all in one chunk. All right. So the, the, bo- the bottom line is... Get a dumpster, throw everything into it, and you're done. This is, this is what goes through my wife's head when she's, you know, dreaming at night. But that's not actually what we did or how hardly anybody can ever function. So we'll get into, you know, what really happened. I got a dumpster. I threw everything into it, and I didn't tell Jason. No, not really. I probably. I really wanted to, though. I probably wouldn't have noticed. So, what did we do? We, I mean, I think the the bottom line we we took the house section by section, which made the process go a lot easier. We what we actually did early on, about a year ago, was we signed up for a decluttering course, like a home decluttering course, which I want to plug here for a little bit and let Carrie talk a little bit more about it because it was something that was really actually was very helpful for us. And it sort of helped us lay the groundwork for what this entire last year process of decluttering was going to be. Um, what's his, what's he called? The Minimalist? Yeah. The, I believe his website is theminimalist.com. His, his name's Joshua Becker. He has a blog and then he does this decluttering uh, course. I found it and actually promoted it to Jason, which is really unusual because I am not an advocate of spending money on anything really ever. And, uh, However, I am an advocate of getting rid of all our crap because I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And Jason was a little slower to the ball game on that one. Mm-hmm. So I found this course and said, hey, let's try it. And we went for it. And to me, it wasn't anything mind-blowing, although I did learn a couple good strategies. Um, but it, it was nice to go through the decluttering process with a group of people. Um, we were all doing the same tasks at the same time and encouraging each other and supporting each other when we had questions. And that was nice. Um, it was really fun to take pictures of all our stuff and post it, you know, oh, we just got rid of six bags that went to the dump and three boxes that went to Goodwill, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and... And ju- just to correct really quick, just to, so that you're going to the right place, if you want to take a look at it yourself, the website is actually becomingminimalist.com. Becomingminimalist.com is Josh Becker's website. Um, That kind of got the ball rolling for us a little bit. And, and it was room by room. Um, and then it, it went into some experiments of living with less we didn't really do that part. I was really pregnant and really uncomfortable by the time that rolled around. Yeah. Um, but then I guess, I mean, that, that got us started, but we didn't really, we certainly weren't anywhere near where we needed to be. No. Because then, you know, the baby came and life changed because we had two kids and I was working a lot and you were working a lot and podcasting. And so we, we kind of stalled for a while and then... 
uh, all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, we found the RV, we found renters for our house, and they wanted to move in really, really, really soon. And we realized we couldn't be ready quite as soon as they wanted. I think I think uh, it would have been about two weeks yeah, from the time. About a two-week notice, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was determined to make it happen, but then we didn't have a place to live, so whatever. It, it ended up being about a month and a half. Yeah, it was about a month and a half process. So in the period of a month and a half, we got renters for our house, we bought the truck and the RV, and we got rid of all our crap mm-hmm. and moved into the RV, and here we are in the campground. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that 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 course really did help, especially for somebody like me who's an absolute scatterbrain. If you put me into a house and say, "Okay, start getting rid of the stuff that's in here," not I was not raised by a hoarder, but definitely someone that would, you know, keep things that are special and have the definition of the word special be incredibly ambiguous, so you can't really put anything in a specific category so anyway long and long and short of it was that you know if you put me combined with the fact that i'm an absolute add scatterbrain if you put me into a house with no process of decluttering and say okay start decluttering i don't have my wits about me as much as my wife does so i'll just make things worse because stuff will be you know organized and put away quote unquote you know, air quotes there. But if you tell me to declutter the area, I'm going to go in and empty the boxes spread out all over the floor in front of where they already are. Find something really cool and start playing with it. Find something really cool and start playing with it and finding a picture that I sit there and stare at, you know, for a couple of minutes while... It reminds you of something else you need, so you go and buy something. So I go so I go on Amazon and buy something, all the while all of the shit is still sitting on the floor at the end of a seven-hour day, and now things, instead of being, at the very least, consolidated and, you know, behind a door in a closet, is now spread out all over the floor. That's how decluttering works in my head, without direction. So the course, the um, Josh Becker's uncluttered course, was really helpful for me. Probably more so for me than for Carrie, I'd say. So just want to give a really big favorable plug for that course uh, from Josh Becker again. It's becomingminimalist.com. But what what did we do this month and a half? I mean, that was a year ago that we did that course. Yeah. What did we do? That was over a year ago, really. It's a 12-week course. Um, I don't even know. I mean, I would say we we revisited in our own heads. I think we revisited the process of the course itself because about a year ago, we didn't obviously minimize down to where we are now, but we made a significant chunk of the crud in our house go away in that 12-week span. So, and then we sort of got away from it because Carrie mentioned, you know, we had that pesky second child and all. Um, so which, which threw a wrench in the, uh, the continuation of that process and then got me, gave me enough of a mental break from the process of decluttering to go ahead and, you know, buy shit to fill in the space that we had cleared from before. You cut back a lot though. I did. I did cut back. You really did. Yeah. So during that, during the time in between that initial twelve weeks and then the last month and a half prior to us moving, that last twelve, that last month and a half, we sort of revisited some of the principles of that course and st- just started purging, just purging and purging and purging stuff. I think the biggest thing was to literally touch everything you own. So every time it was time to purge something, whether it was a drawer or a bookshelf or the closet, I would literally take everything out and put it all over the floor or all over the bed, kind of like you said you did. Yeah. Um, and then I like to frame it as what is it that I need to keep versus what do I want to get rid of? I would think about it of do I actively use this? Will we actively need to use it? Or is it something particularly sentimental that we want to bring with us? Yeah. Um, And then if it didn't meet one of those three categories, it was gone. Yeah, if it didn't meet one of those categories. And then the the final cut uh, category that we came up with, that Carrie actually came up with, was can we, like, is it sentimental? Is it of high value and sort of tied into that high value? Can it be replaced 
relatively inexpensively. And the the those were our, our criteria for putting things in our storage. Yeah, yeah. Like, are we gonna like are these things that we're going to keep in the event of us, you know, hating living in the RV and eventually wanting to go back to living in a house? Like, are these things that can be replaced? For what did we say? It was like it was like a hundred bucks, one hundred fifty bucks to between a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars. Like if if it's something that fell in that category, and if it could be replaced for less than roughly one hundred and fifty bucks, was it sentimental? Did we want to keep it? Yes, no. Okay, it stays. Was it something of significant use? It like this is something that we get a high amount of use out of, or have, or soon see that we will be like that's something that stayed in storage. But if it didn't meet that criteria and it couldn't be replaced for less than one hundred and fifty bucks, it was gone. That setting rules like that was was incredibly helpful in the process of going through stuff because. Despite what you think about that blouse or that T-shirt or, you know, that third bottle of aspirin that, you know, you. Oh, have. my gosh. We got rid of so many duplicate medications. I know. My God. Like, it's like every time you it's like every time you're out of the house with a headache, you stop at the store and buy a 500, bo- like a 500 pill bottle of aspirin. You come home and then all of a sudden we have enough aspirin to we have enough aspirin to feed one to every member. It's like to everyone that lives in China every day for the rest of our lives. Well, and, and when you live in a big house, our house wasn't. Big. It actually was slightly smaller than the average American single-family home. Yeah. Um, and in fact, some people would say, "Oh, you have a really small house," but you know, it was fine. Yeah, three bedroom, three bedroom house, two and a half, two and a half bath- bathrooms. It was yeah, p- plenty big for the three of us. Um, the three of us and a roommate yeah. and a dog. You know, it was fine. Yeah. Um, but when you live in a big or biggish or whatever you want to call it house, you tend to have multiples of things you keep them in in terms of medicine you keep it upstairs in the medicine cabinet and you keep a stash downstairs and you keep a stash in each car and you know you realize you have three four five duplicates of something that when you're living in 400 square feet you don't need all of those yeah because you don't have room for all of them or at the very least you know you we keep a bottle of aspirin downstairs we keep a bottle of aspirin upstairs we keep a bottle of aspirin in the car we keep a bottle of aspirin in Carrie's purse we keep one in the basement we can, you know it's like because God forbid I walk upstairs to get an aspirin. It was like, oh my God, when I need one, it's like, it's like, who the hell wants to walk all the way over that? Screw it. Let me just keep one over here. Well, you know, when you've got 400 square foot <laughs> upstairs is, you know, right over there, about fi- about 10 feet away. If you can't walk 10 feet to get an aspirin, you should be going to the hospital. But and, and those things start to add up. I mean, it was the diapers we kept in several locations, the kids' room, our room, downstairs. I mean... The hair bands, the just all kinds of stuff that we had in multiple locations that here we have one and that's it. And that's all we need. Yeah, that's all we need. It's like we don't it, it, we haven't reduced the volume of these things that we use we, because we use these things on a regular basis. But we've consolidated how far they're spread out around the house. And it's just amazing how consolidated your stuff becomes when you realize that you only need one batch of Fill in the blank. We still don't need those chili bowls. We have two sets of bowls. And Jason doesn't even like the chili bowls. I but do. He really w- no, you said you didn't. I do like them. You said you prefer the other bowls. I prefer the other bowls for cereal. I prefer the chili bowls for, you know, hot stuff like, I don't know, chili. Oh. Well, we don't need 12 bowls. Yes, we do. Maybe we could do half and half. I'll pull. I'll pull the card of saying that it's sentimental under one hundred and fifty dollars, and say we're moving on. We could store it <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, the 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 bottom line is, as if you're thinking about making, trying to find ways to simplify your life or find more free time. Cle- Sit on the couch and look out the window. God forbid. Like I would say the most important thing to do is to reduce the amount of stuff that you have sitting around because the the lo- the more things that you have sitting around 
the more things you have to think about on a regular basis. And that's what we've pared down on and to the incredible benefit of our free time and our family time. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the two of us, we have got two amazing little kids and we're both fortunate enough to be self-employed where we've got the freedom to tweak our schedules to spend as much time as we want with our two little girls. But that time is interfered with. We've got full control over our work schedules, but we didn't have full control over our house because there was still so much stuff around. We had to just deal with it. It was distracting and it distracted us from the time, from the time that we wanted to spend with them. And that was just getting to us after a while. So to get rid of our stuff, just to recap, we took a course, mm-hmm. Becoming Minimalist, from Josh Becker, Becoming Minimalist. His course was called Uncluttered. Um, and it was helpful to go through that with a group of people, even if you feel like you know how to get rid of your stuff. Uh, get rid of it with people. Start a tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, touch everything. And shift shift your mindset from not do, what do I want to get rid of, but shift it to what is it that I want to keep. That was a big deal, yeah. And uh, what was the last thing? Oh, set criteria. Um, what what are your criteria for keeping versus getting rid of? Uh, I think those were our three, yeah. our three big things. Yeah, those are the three big things that, that helped us the most. And if you're going to be going through the process of this, or even if you've been thinking about going through the process of physically downsizing your home or at the very least trying to thin out the stuff that's in your life. I recommend kind of going back to those three steps and just doing a couple of little experiments. Or getting a dumpster and putting everything in it. (laughs) If you're into that kind of thing. But, you know, the bottom line, the bottom line is like every, everything is a process. And what I think is most important if you are thinking about doing this is kind of go back and revisit those three steps, the ones that sort of worked for us after trying many many things one thing that we didn't really get get into was over the last several years we've been trying to get rid of stuff and we've been trying to declutter i mean but no no system ever really worked for both of us like i'd find something that would work for me but that didn't work for her she would find you know blunt force trauma, you know, strategies that would work for her, but that would just absolutely terrify me. And then nothing ended up ever happening. Well, it does help to, to have an absolute necessity of getting rid of your stuff. I mean, we were moving April 29th. Into a prop, into something that was 25% of the square footage of the place where we were living before. And someone else was moving into our house. So we had a deadline. We had an absolute need. So strategy, like add add that to the three that we already suggested was come up with either a real or fictitious, you know, deadline during which time you have to accomplish X, Y, Z. It goes back to setting goals. You've had other guests that have talked about setting goals or smart goals or anything like that. Like have a goal and have a why. You know, yeah. why is it that you're doing what you're doing? Yeah. And that's why that's why I wanted to emphasize, albeit the long story that it was, the beginning of this episode to sort of talk about what <laughs> what are the benefits that we've realized by finally getting through the process, downsizing and actually getting here. Because that, that on you, sorry, you go. I was gonna say, because what you get what you get out what you get out of a process matters as much if not more than the process itself if you're not going to end up getting any benefit out of doing something us being higher primates if you're not actually getting something out of a out of an experience why the hell do it why not just continue to sit there you know and i think it's important to know what some of those benefits can be if you're actually going to try to simplify things i looked at the clock today it was three o'clock and i didn't have a case of the it's almost mondays yeah. I had a case of the, wow, I guess we should record your podcast, <laughs> which normally whenever Jason says we need to record a podcast, I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm too tired. I don't have time. I'm too embarrassed. There's a million other things I could say. But today it was, all right, let's let's get that done so then we can go explore the nature trails uh, before we sometime should eat dinner tonight. Yeah. But there was no case of the, 
oh my gosh, it's almost Mondays. It's almost Monday. We have to do this before the week starts. Otherwise, the whole week is going to be crap. Which really for us is stupid anyway, because I work six to seven days a week. So there really is essentially no Monday. Weekend. Yeah, yeah. real weekend. We're both always doing something work-wise. So the case of the Mondays is not a real thing for us, even though it's still there in our heads. Yeah. But now, at least for me, it's not. No. Even yeah. though you have to wake up at 3.30 tomorrow morning. Well, you know, keep on trucking. Everybody, I want to thank my lovely, lovely wife, Carrie, for coming on the show. You're welcome. And as as we were going to be progressing into this lifestyle and talking more about some of the processes that we've gone through and some of the additional things that we're going to be working towards ourselves, uh, this lovely lady's voice is one that you're going to be hearing a little bit more frequently on the podcast moving forward. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. We're going to be interviewing some people in the relatively near future that their area of expertise is a little bit closer to Carrie's, which is in the field of education. You know, we're going to be interviewing some people that are, that are experts in that area and especially some of the more alternative forms of education that are common amongst people that are traveling. So Carrie will probably be stepping in to my seat or at the very least being a co-host on shows like that coming up in the near future just to let you know that that will be coming down the pike. And maybe let us know what you want to hear about as far as this new life. We've yeah. had lots of people tell us we should blog or vlog, or Instagram, or whatever it may be. I don't really know what Instagram is, but I'll pretend I do. Um, but I don't know. I'm hesitant to do it because I don't know what people want to hear. So if there is something you want to know, tell us. Yeah, please tell us. And the easiest way to do that would be to go to the community Facebook page. Just going to smallmoves.co forward slash community. That will take you to the community Facebook page. And just let us know what you thought about this episode and also what more things you'd be you'd like to be hearing from us or, you know, less things you'd be that you'd like to be hearing from us. That's okay too, because we could tell you everything and yeah. Maybe you don't want to hear it all. Yeah, maybe you don't really care. So, you know, we'd lo we'd love to know what your thoughts are. Go ahead and like I said, give give us a give us a like or a follow on Facebook. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter. You can find me at Jason Hertzberger and you can find Carrie on Twitter at Actually, you know what? I can't remember exactly what her Twitter handle is. My uh, dear, my dear. I think it's CDP hers h e r z yep cdp and i just checked it that is indeed what it is so, although you know i'm not really on twitter <laughs> i mean i posted something a few months ago <laughs> people go ahead and follow her on twitter and give her crap when she's not posting can they post something to me on twitter they can they can message you on twitter yes message me on twitter yep okay everyone Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the show. Super excited that you listened to us, and we will talk to you next time around. <laughs>